Good afternoon and welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and organic agriculture here in the state of Maine, brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association and in conjunction with WERU, our community radio station. My name is CJ Walk. I use he, him pronouns, and I am the host for today's episode of Common Ground Radio. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the second Thursday of each month at 4 p.m., right here on WERU. Previous editions of our show and other great shows can be found in the archive section of the WERU website at www.weru.org, as well as on the WERU app. For today's show, we are listening to a recording of the keynote address from the 2021 Farmer to Farmer Conference, recorded on November 1st of 2021. The address was delivered by Dr. Gladys Zanotti of the Rodale Institute, entitled Linking Soil Health to Plant Health, Connecting the Dots. Dr. Zanotti is the director of the Vegetable Systems Trial at Rodale Institute and a soil scientist and horticulturalist. Her research focuses on linking soil health to crop and human health by evaluating the impact of cropping systems and management practices on nutrient cycling carbon sequestration, and vegetable nutrient density. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge that Mofka is situated on Wabanaki land. We thank the Wabanaki communities for caring for this land sustainably from time immemorial. We want to acknowledge that Mofka is intertwined with the colonialist history of this land. Many of the principles and practices of organic agriculture are rooted in thousands of years of indigenous knowledge from around the world. And here is Dr. Gladys Zanati, linking soil health to plant health, connecting the dots. So it is a great pleasure for me to kick off the conference with the topic linking soil health to plant health. Uh, Linking uh, soil health to plant health, connecting the dots. It is very important to know what is soil health, what do we mean by soil health, and what it is really means to us when we are looking into plant health. So let's start with defining what is soil health or what is healthy soil. A healthy soil is the soil that can sequester the carbon from the atmosphere. It is a soil that it is free from toxic chemicals and synthetic fertilizers. And it is also porous and not compacted because it's very important that we'll have a good structure allowing water to infiltrate through the soil profile easily without ponding the water on the surface of the soil without any sheet runoff of water from your farm to the uh, streams or neighbors, uh, that it is very important to keep that water during the rain or the irrigation into the soil, not outside your farm. It's also important to be soil healthy when we look at the diverse microorganisms in the soil, because all these suite of microorganisms are important to work together with the plant roots, providing with the symbiosis between the plant roots and the microorganism, all these channels of carbon and nutrients among them. Healthy soil should be able to grow nutrient-dense crops, not only any crops, but nutrient-dense crops, meaning that when we have all these factors all working together, 
we are looking into a soil that can sustain the productivity of plants and the continuity of human beings and animals. Why it is very important for us? Because in the past few 80, 90 years, human race have been working and doing a lot of work of damage in starting from the infancy of the industrial farming when the growers started working with the soil and when they start applying and introducing synthetic fertilizers and chemical pesticides. Give you a little bit of history here. Between the era of 1965 and 1980, you could see an exponential increase in the nitrogen fertilizer. And then it continued and increasing throughout the years. In fact, in this era, it increased twice, doubled the amount of use. Not only that, but the pesticides themselves, including all the herbicide, insecticides, and fungicides, during the same period of time, you could see there is an increase in the pesticide. Looking here at herbicides, again, in the green area, the green area here is the herbicides. You could see how much it continued to increase and the amount of Along the way, the growers were uh, advised to shift to specialized monocultures, meaning the growers would be relying more and more on those fertilizers, more and more on these pesticides to control their weeds and, pest and the pests and any diseases. So we, that really causes some risk because once you have damage or you have a disease that comes and wipe up everything, you don't have diversified crops. Along the way, the scientists and breeders will start new programs by breeding more into crop yield rather than the nutrient in the crop, meaning more into a carbohydrate, more into bigger size. You could see that with different varieties and cultivars of vegetables, they increase the size of the fruit, they increase more of the carbohydrate on those ones. On the expense of the nutrients such as minerals or vitamins or antioxidants. Not to mention also the booming of using tractors and different machinery that growers have used and used it intensively, especially in when we are working with vegetables. And so all these factors, they are all integrated into bigger problem. What the problem is that every time they really till the soil, that carbon that it has built for many years there is now oxidizing and released to the atmosphere. When it is released to the atmosphere in the carbon dioxide form, it is really keeping more of that over the years. The more you use fertilizer, synthetic fertilizer, it is degrading the quality of the carbon. And that really showed a lot of farms, which you have probably experienced in your areas as well. We experienced across the United States and globally that the more the soil is degraded, you will see more compaction. You will see more of the soil erosion, the sheet erosion of water. And if you are not careful to have uh, uh, contouring, 
you will see that water could be carrying with it sediments outside the farm to the water streams. It would be causing eutrophication. And so these are problems that we have been facing with. Not to mention that all that gas emission and excess in our um, uh, globe, it caused the global warming. Those all things doesn't go only to the atmosphere, but we all people will have an impact on our health. So we start seeing more of the diseases and more of the health issues. And in the coming few slides, I will be talking about what we have data on the health hazards and what we have data on how those practices really lower the density of nutrients in the crops. So we have been living with a broken system for many, many years, and we have been using for the past 20, 30 years to fix that system. And it's still going on and it's still having problems with that. So it is really, it is not only a wake up call, it is already people probably have been understanding the problem, but they are still not yet there to fix the problem in some regions. You will see that people are still using intensive tillage no matter what, and some other places they are not using the varieties that really have the efficiency or the uptake of nutrients better than the others. So until the 2002, you would have seen an, a rare uh, or a scarce amount of information about what would be the, the vegetables or the uh, fruits that have any uh, residues of pesticides. For example, here I show you the top 20 crops that they are shown to be very, uh, uh, they have about 73% of pesticide residues of uh, naming some of the strawberries, some of the celery, tomatoes, peppers that we all grow in all regions, cucumber, potato, which is another issue that people have been having a lot of diseases of cancer because they have been consuming a lot of those potatoes in the ground that are contaminated with, with any of those pesticides. Kale is another one and lettuce. These are leafy vegetables that are very good for our health, that they are full of nutrients, but whenever they are contaminated with pesticides, it's really going to be absorbed quickly because they are about 97% water, meaning all those will solubilize into your bloodstream. More and more, we have seen data showing an era where uh, more of the younger generation, the children, they have had a lot of diseases due to the pesticides, such as the developmental disabilities, such as the ADHD, autism raised a lot between 2002 and 2008 and still continuing. But within that era, you could see how much increased 78%. Also childhood cancers increased the incidences. We have seen more of those incidences even in the um, previous 10 years. Diabetes started at early age, not only in the uh, older ages, uh, but in the younger ages, obesity as well. 
And so these are symptoms that we are seeing them as a result of all those um, un, um, let's say, unmanaged or uh, bad management of our soil and our environment. Here, there is a data that uh, came in the Journal of American Medical Association telling us about what is the percent of people that are having deductible uh, levels of Roundup or the glyphosate that we apply for controlling the weeds. And those exposures started at 0.02 in 1995 parts per billion. Remember, parts per billion is very, very low. And then it increased uh, significantly between 2.10 and 2.15 to 0.77. It is about 38.5-fold increase due to the exposure of people to Roundup. All these are symptoms. These are facts that we have to be aware about and make sure that we stop using all these bad um, chemicals for our health. So it will really help to have a healthy soil because it has all these factors that I talked about and it is a security for our food. But when we grow plants and uh, whether they are for porridge or for our crops for uh, human uh, food and it is in contaminated in bad soil, in unhealthy soil, then we are impacting the ecosystem. We are impacting the, the fodder we give to the animals. We are impacting our crops. And we, uh, we have seen it. We have seen it, it took probably two decades until we get COVID-19. And that's when it hit us in 2020. And our immune system was really low and was not able to take that virus. And so this is a signal telling us we have to be very more careful about what we are eating and what we are eating, where it is coming from and how it has been grown. Now and more and more you will see grocery stores are really interested in learning about and educating their uh, customers about where the crop is coming from, how it is grown. We have contacts with many of these grocery stores, the big uh, ones in the country, and we are working with them about educating uh, the, the employees and uh, how we can put educational programs to educate the customers that they work uh, or they purchase from them. So this is really a big thing. So the impact of industrial farming was not small, especially on the crop and nutrient density. For example, to give you here this graph, in, uh, a, in uh, at Texas A&M Davis and his colleagues um, have published uh, this uh, paper and I uh, extracted this graph uh, from that paper. What he did, he took uh, garden crops that are mostly vegetables, but also included fruits and assess the nutrients that you see here from protein, fat, carbohydrates, calcium, phosphorus, iron, vitamin A, thiamine, 
uh, riboflavin, niacin, and vitamin C. And so he compared the nutrients in the 1950, and he called them the old, and the 1999 and called them the new. And so the ratio is telling us whether on this uh, y-axis, whether they have declined or they have increased or they stayed stable the same in between these two dates. So if we look at here and y-axis, which is one, meaning nothing has changed. And you could see that the carbohydrate didn't change in that time because they kept doing the programs of having the same cultivars and varieties that are uh, rich in that uh, carbohydrate. But what you could see that we have decline in protein a little bit, but also we had more decline in the calcium, in the phosphorus, in the iron, as well as riboflavin, even more, and vitamin C. And those are all showing between these two dates, between 1950 and 1999. To give you, to get to this in detail, to give you another idea. So let's take one of the crops. And in this case, I'm taking even broccoli, which is known to be a very high dense crop because it is mostly all dry matter and the nutrients and very little of water in it. So if we look here, in 1950, the calcium, and we are assessing calcium in the broccoli, parts uh, milligram per gram, it was 12.9 uh, in 1950. And if we go with time at 2009, that broccoli, will have 4.4 milligram per gram. So what it means to us now that the density has declined and instead of eating one uh, bunch of the uh, broccoli, now we have to eat three times to get what we used to get from that in 1950. That's how much we have problems where the nutrients are low in calcium or phosphorus or iron. And he explained that, that it is caused, and other um, researchers from United Kingdom, that it is basically what we are seeing is, we call it the dilution effect. And what do I mean by that? This is a dilution effect caused by the excess of fertilization because it is the plant growing as fast as it can and also the environmental effects, if it is really allowing more of these microorganisms to be not working as much, but depending on the fertilizer and also the breeding. We talked about the breeding programs. The breeding programs, they really uh, breed uh, their crops to, uh, which we have been using for size and dry matter, meaning yield, meaning more carbohydrates. Those carbohydrates are primarily delivered through the phloem of the crop, through the plant. However, the nutrients, the minerals such as calcium and magnesium, these are really not increasing at the same rate of increase of carbohydrate. 
not at the same rate the, the crop or the size of the uh, plant or the, the, the fruit itself is really growing. So the, the fruit is growing, the dry matter is um, uh, bigger, the yield is bigger. However, the nutrients such as calcium and magnesium are still the same. The plant is gonna take what it takes usually because it is monitored by the, the xylem. It's not through the flower. And so these are all factors that really impacted what we grow and what we buy and what we eat and how it's really impacting our health. You are tuned in to Common Ground Radio here on WERU. Today we are listening to a recording of the keynote address from the 2021 Farm to Farmer Conference recorded on November 1st of 2021. The address was delivered by Dr. Gladys Zanati of the Rodale Institute entitled Linking Soil Health to Plant Health, Connecting the Dots. Thank you. Many scientists, educators, growers, and policymakers in the past two decades or three have been working on focusing their work on approaches to build soil health and those approaches included different methods or different practices or tools, including conservation tillage, organic amendments, diversified crop rotation, covering the soil with cover crops all the time, not only keeping it running through the winter and during the rainy areas where we have in South United States. Also in California, there are, um, we, we have now what we call the desert area because of the in, um, mismanagement of the, uh, the ground there, the lands. And we have a lot of uh, deficiency in the soil, in the carbon, and that caused drought there. It caused a lot of the air that it is going there not to get more of the rain into the area. It became like a pocket. And so also they recommended grazing, grazing with kinds of animals or sometimes heavy grazing if they want to um, uh, mitigate soil into a, a previous, uh, probably 50 years, 100 years back. So it will build again all that carbon because of the manure and because of the, the feeding and the grazing of the, the animals there. Also, it is very important and documented that elimination of toxic chemicals will really avoid all these microorganisms to be um, less or the communities of the bad uh, microorganism will surface and the ones that work with the plant will not be populating, so these uh, about the abundance of these communities. There is a plethora of research work on different aspects of the cropping systems and how they are impacting soil health from carbon, from pH, from uh, availability of nutrients. There are also the management practices, tilling with plastic, without uh, plastic, amending soils with compost, with manure, with cover crops on yield, not on nutrients, on yield. Also how it really affects the contamination of any uh, 
water that has been used, the gray water that they have been trying to use in, uh, in Texas and California about soil health and how much of that is really impacting and the residual of it in the soil. There is plethora of research work where it shows the impact of the practices on soil biology, like with the, uh, the tilling uh, affects the microorganism abundance or the communities under uh, the use of compost or any other amendments, or let's say uh, using the synthetic fertilizers versus the organic. There is also research shown that uh, root diseases could be controlled or increased based on the uses of different um, um, amendments, how those are really uh, helpful for sub, uh, suppressing root diseases. These are including the compost, and this includes the different cover crops, and also how different management practices really uh, impacted the weed control and how what kind of weeds they became more resistant to the weed control of any of these chemicals. So these are things that have been going on for the past 20, 30 years. But there is a lack of information and specifically on vegetables, which we all hear we need to be working on and attending to it. What would be the impact of cropping systems and management practices on soil health, but not only on soil health, how those impact soil health into the nutrient quality, the nutrient density in the crops we grow, as well as the environmental health and how all these because it all starts with what we are doing, the cropping systems that we select, also the practices that we implement on our soil, how all those would be connected into our human health. So this is a important information we need to keep in mind when we are looking to uh, provide science-based information, because there is, a lot of lack of information specifically on vegetables about how we link soil health to plant health to human health. Today, I'm gonna talk about how the, the management practices and cropping systems impact soil and impacting nutrient quality in the crops that I will give you examples from my work. But the next step I will be doing is to connect it to human health. And so there is one uh, research that I found from the West Coast by Reynold and his team that shows, and it was on strawberries because they grow a lot of strawberries in the West side. And they compared the quality of the soil and the quality of the root and in the quality mean the nutrients they assess when they are growing the strawberry in the organic and the conventional. And here is their conclusion and significance. It says that our findings show that the organic strawberry farms produce higher quality of fruits when for especially ascorbic acid, vitamin C, and the phenolic compounds. 
and that their higher quality soils may have greater microbial functional capabilities because functionality is coming from the exudates that the plants are giving to them and the enzymes that are produced by their um, these microorganisms as well as their biomass and population and their resilience to stress. So this is the only one that I found about looking into what would be the system's impact on soil quality and nutrient quality in the strawberry. So as I mentioned in my work, uh, when I start working on this issue, I said, well, we really need to look into how we connect the soil health to plant health into human health. Although it will take several years to get all that together, especially when we are working with the human health, but we need to start somewhere. And this is very important to address in the coming few years. And for that, I established and created the idea of the vegetable systems trial that I am showing you here. The vegetable systems trial was created, the idea in 2013, and then uh, with funding and supports from different funders, gracious ones, we started this vegetable systems trial on 2.62 acres where we are uh, comparing side by side organic systems into with the uh, conventional systems uh, using different measurement practices, which I will talk about, and also different crops, vegetable crops. This project is uh, put in a way that it will run indefinitely with a, a local, national, and international, um, international scope. The vegetable systems trial it compares side by side, each block will have organic and conventional and within each uh, system, we are uh, testing intensive tillage, intensive uh, practices along with regenerative tillages or reduced tillage, it depends on the crop. And the uh, ultimate goal is to provide those um, science-based information to our growers and consumers because it is very important to link soil health to nutrient health and then work with the human health. These are the different equipment we have used when we are talking about intensive tillage, which many of you probably have used already. Uh, this is the moldboard plow. This is the site where we have the cover crop grown during the springtime and then we plow it under. You could see the soil has been tilled upside down here. And then we uh, disc it, pack it, put it plastic. And next to it would be the one that keeping the cover crop. And then we roll crimp it in one pass. So it will really reduce the disturbance of the soil. Here's another video I'm gonna share with you. Again, these are the plastic mulch that we prepare. It was before the heritage that you see the purple uh, flowers here at flowering and dry. So we plowed all that and disc pack and put plastic, but here we are rolling it. 
And you could see that by rolling it, and we have on the tractor hooked the monosome, which is a, a equipment that allows us to use uh, while we are rolling to seed into the ground in one pass, such as snap beans, such as any kind of. Here is uh, comparing the same thing, the same equipment when we applied the herbicide glyphosate, and then we also seed into it the conventional beans. This can be used for corn, sweet corn, any seeds that could be useful. However, when we are doing the system in the, uh, not starting from seeds, but from, um, from seedlings, we use the nautil transplanter. And that nautil transplanter is used first on the organic system, and then we use it on the conventional. Um, we don't go from organic to conventional, conventional to organic, because that really affects the tires and collecting soil. So always we clean in between and always we make sure we cover all the organic first so we don't cause contamination from the conventional to the organic. The different crops that we selected uh, based on suggestions and recommendations from the advisory group, those are uh, the growers, the, um, the extension educators, the scientists from uh, different um, universities that join us. Um, these are the snap beans, the lettuce, the sweet corns, winter squash, and potato. And those represent a fruit, represent a leaf, and represent a root. And so we couldn't put more into that. I know that we have over 200 uh, varieties and uh, naming uh, our crops, but also there is a lot of cultivars among all those. We cannot afford to do all these practices and uh, cropping systems on all of them, but we selected the mostly produced in Pennsylvania and the Mid-Atlantic so we can make a better representation. So the vegetable systems trial is really running under the same soil conditions, under the same climate conditions, using the same equipment for both systems, even with the practices with the uh, tractors that we are using. So it is really more uh, uh, homogenized and less variability among other places. So in the next few slides, I'm gonna give you some highlights of the research because I wanted to share with you how the soil health is important and what we got out of it with those different cropping systems and practices, and also link those to the nutrients in the crops that we grow. I'm gonna take also highlights from those. So let's start on this one. This graph, if you look at the y-axis, here I'm looking at the soil health. And I took a, a, a parameter here or an indicator. We call it the labile carbon or active carbon. And <coughs> excuse me. And the labile carbon is very important because it tells us about how stable is our uh, soil how the organic matter stability is there in the soil. So the brown, um, 
bars that you see, it does the soil analyzed and taken at 2016 when we started, meaning before we start taking any, uh, before we put even the crops there and tilling and doing all that. So that's our reference line. And then the green bars represent those um, soils samples that we took in 2019. So in the x-axis, um, x you will see conventional represented as CMV, organic represented as ORG. The tilled with plastic intensive, we call it black plastic. It's represented by BP. And the reduced till or regenerative tillage is represented by RT. Definitely, when we started, you could see all the soil is homogenized and the same, and you could see the label soil carbon, it's about 700. They were all the same, no differences. However, after three years, after three uh, three year of uh, growing seasons, which uh, constitute one cropping rotation in the whole system, we found that in the organic system, in the green bars that are much higher than the conventional. Yes, there is some increase here, but was not so significant. But you could see that the labile carbon is really uh, showing much higher in the organic system. So that significant difference after three years from initiation was there, irrespective whether we have reduced tillage or black plastic. At this point, only the system really mattered and impacted the labile carbon, not the practices such as tillage reduced or intensive tillage. You are tuned in to Common Ground Radio here on WERU. Today we are listening to a recording of the keynote address from the 2021 Farm to Farmer Conference recorded on November 1st of 2021. The address was delivered by Dr. Gladys Zanati of the Rodale Institute entitled Linking Soil Health to Plant Health, Connecting the Dots. Thank you. Here it is about the soil protein and on the y-axis telling us the percent of uh, protein. And then here it is telling us about the conventional organic and in both practices. Definitely the 2016 also, it is the blue bars, nothing happened. They are all the same. 2019, we have a significant increase of the protein in this area, in the organic, in both the organic uh, plastic intensive and again, it's not showing us till now that the practices is really affecting the protein as well. So we talked about labile caramel, we talked about the protein is not really affecting, but it's showing it is increasing but as not as in the conventional. I would like to see this in after three and nine years to see how those data will show differences between the conventional organic and hopefully we will start looking into changes and differences between practices because all these take time and the vegetable systems trial is set to be running indefinitely a long time. So this is very important that we can continuously taking soil samples and plant samples and relating them to each other. 
In 2019, in addition, I did a deep soil course and it's like this time. Next week, we will go and get some soil cores in the vegetable system trial. And we took those up to 100 centimeter deep in the soil. And when we went to the lab, we sectioned them at 10 centimeter each for the first 30 centimeters. And then this uh, next two sections were about 30 centimeters. And then uh, the next one would be 40 centimeters. Mainly, we want to see where in those we have more microbial biomass. We want to look into the communities. We wanted to know what functionality they have. We were working with colleagues from uh, the Strauss Center to assess those. We have been looking also about the mycorrhizal fungi, but we don't have yet all the data back because it takes a lot of time. And the problem that we had with closing labs during 2020 and part of it was working 21 is really put us back in getting all that data out. But I'm gonna share a few things with you today. So here's a soil and we took that deep core and I'm gonna show you information between zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30. And here I am showing you data on nitrogen and carbon Although I also worked on uh, COXI, which is the label carbon, organic matter, and minerals. So let's look at the percent nitrogen. Percent nitrogen here, I'm looking uh, conventional and organic. You could see here in all the depths, we had pretty good amount of nitrogen in the soil. It is a okay amount in the conventional between zero to 20, but it becomes really very, very low beyond 20 centimeters, meaning anything growing beyond 20 centimeters in the conventional will not be able to get better nitrogen as we get it here in the organic. When we look at the carbon, even worse, Worse because you could see that the organic is really good. It's keeping ahead with the carbon, which is pretty good between 2.5 and 3.3, meaning it's really good. However, you could see that the conventional, that's in 2019, and uh, we see that it is pretty low in carbon. And if you go with depth, it's really very, very small, meaning this is not providing enough backbone for the crops that would be grown in the coming few years. This is very important information to see and to work with. So now let's connect the dots between soil health and plant health. Here I'm giving you some uh, highlights about the sweet corn, one of the crops that we are growing in the vegetable systems trial. Again, I'm talking about protein and protein based on nitrogen. We knew that nitrogen in the soil was high in the organic and lower in the conventional. And that's same year in 2019. And so if we look here again, you could see that the protein in the sweet corn was much higher significantly than in the conventional. There was no significant difference at that time between practices, but it tells us a story here. It tells us something that the organic management 
the organic system is providing us with higher protein. I want also to show you here between uh, 2018 and 2019, just as a comparison, we assessed vitamin B6. Vitamin B6, there was no significant difference, anything in 2018 and also in 2019. But when we compared year to year, we found 2019 much higher. If you look at this compound in the, in the structure, it has nitrogen, meaning it depends on nitrogen meaning it is really affecting whether there is nitrogen in the soil to help that crop to take that nitrogen and put it in the harvestable crop. We also worked with potato. Uh, in the, all the years, we used one of the cultivars that it is pretty good in growing in our region here called Lehigh potato, and Lehigh potato was really bred in Pennsylvania, in Lehigh County, where I am really from here. But let me talk about Lehigh a little bit. Lehigh, it has a tan color, and it has a, a pale yellow to creamy color flesh. And also in 2019 and 2020, we tried to introduce another uh, cultivar, the Purple Majesty. As a matter of fact, the Purple Majesty, we bought it from main growers there. So this should be available in your area and should be able to grow it in your area because we got it from there. However, let's look here at the protein again. So the Purple Majesty, the one we, produce, uh, we selected, it has a purple skin with a purple flesh. There are other cultivars of potato that you will say, oh, they are purple from outside, but they are white or yeah, uh, tan color. They are not the same quality as those ones that they are filled with pigments, we call them, and cyanine compounds in them because what is this purplish color, if you remember, also strawberries has the red, also the uh, bell pepper has it, uh, the ones like uh, purple cabbage, all those ones, they have anthocyanin in different levels. And so in the purple majesty, it is filled and packed with anthocyanin. If we look at the Lehigh, it has zero nothing anthocyanin in it. But if we look at the protein here, we see that the organic system, again, was high in uh, protein, allowed the protein in Purple Majesty to be higher than the conventional, as well as for Lehigh. And you could see differences even in the cultivar. You could see that the Lehigh was more efficient in taking that nitrogen and build it up as a protein. And so it was much higher, but not as much higher in a way than the purple majesty. But that's something to, to tell us that if we incorporate and we diversify even our diet, not only white potato or yellow potato, but we put a, a potato of different colors, especially the ones with the purplish uh, or reddish, like mountain rose or, or Yukon gold, if we put in our diet all those, we are reaping the carotenoids, the anthocyanins, the proteins, all of it together. 
So it is very important to understand these things and what really impacts the value of the nutrient based on what we are practicing. Here uh, in the Lehigh and Purple Majesty, I assessed vitamin C again in the same year. And you could see that was no impact on Lehigh. It was the same, not even on the management practices. But we saw that in the reduced, uh, in the conventional was much higher in that the organic in the vitamin C. And that could be a reason because that the plant is not as efficient in a way for certain elements, but it is really suppressed by certain elements that it may impact the vitamins, which we are looking into it right now. These varieties or cultivars, we planted them again in 2020. So we wanted to see if there is a chance in the future to incorporate on a bigger scale different cultivars to see their nutrients and how they are impacted by practices and systems. Here I'm showing you the total phenols. Total phenols like in the West Coast, Byron and his team talked about strawberries with the total phenols. It is one of the nutrients that they assess. Total phenols are known for anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral important for the immune system. It is exactly what we need these days. We need them not today, not yesterday, not 20 years, not for, we need them every day for the coming hundred years. And every generation should be understanding how these total phenols are really important. We did not see much differences across the uh, uh, cropping systems when we did the total phenols, but we saw across the practices here, definitely not impacting Lehigh at all, the total phenols, but we saw that it is more in the black plastic than in the reduced tillage. And one explanation for that, because total phenols are reactions that the plant is having to uh, one kind of stress, such as the pest in that case, or it could be the, any disease. And so in 2019, we had a big, huge amount of leaf hoppers, and also a, uh, it was the year of more of the uh, potato uh, 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 beetle there. Mostly the ones with the black plastic were impacted. And so that's a sign of the plant is producing more polyphenols as a reaction. And that's why we saw it more significantly than the reduced image. But the story here, the take home, is that you could see Purple Majesty is really giving you twice the amount of the polyphenols. That's another important factor as a nutrient. So we can look into how we produce more of it. So the next phase that I'm working on and continuing for the coming 10, 15 years is not only to look into soil health, plant health, but connected with the human health. I'm uh, working with uh, different entities now with universities and medical schools where we are looking into uh, researchers there that they can use the crops that we produce 
and uh, do some benchtop experiments uh, for uh, certain diseases like cancer cells or something, as well as we are looking for the future to work with groups of uh, people that we, uh, we can feed them different crops from different management or different uh, systems and um, uh, monitor the urine, monitor the blood, monitor their health. And so this is a big scale but we are still in our first steps into it. Like Anne Gibbons said, uh, food is only as healthy as the soil in which it grows. And we have to be always looking where, when we purchase and consume our food, where it is coming from and how it was grown, in which kind of soil. That's very important. We have to teach our children, our grandchildren, because they are the ones who are gonna carry it from here on. It is very important to keep that message in their mind. How we farm impacts a lot of our soil carbon. We can reduce all that carbon dioxide in the air and that gas emission and put it back. We can keep it and put it back by using different approaches and management practices. In this conference, you will uh, hear this evening, there is a, a conference, uh, there is a presentation about carbon there. You, on Wednesday and Friday, there would be other uh, um, presentations from colleagues and who are working on water, who are working on uh, stressors and who are looking into how the soil is used and how that affects climate change. I really recommend that you attend all those because they all feed into this whole big picture. And we are all working from different angles. And we are all here to help making better system, better ecosystem, better uh, earth. And so it is very important that we look into that. And also not to forget on Saturday, I'm gonna give a half a day of workshop on carbon farming. So keep tuned to all these presentations that Anna and her colleagues put all together. This is a fantastic conference. And so it will really help you to uh, learn more and put the uh, uh, puzzle together. So what it means, the bottom line is go regenerative organic farming because it is the way to go like nature. Nature did it that same way. And it is really gonna help you to increase your crop and nutrient density. It will help you to sustain the food security and also the ecosystem, the animals that we um, produce or grow there are really healthy. And also we have healthy communities. And with that, I like to thank you all for listening uh, to this um, presentation. And I hope I inspired you uh, and uh, put in you um, uh, hopes and uh, congratulate you on what you have started working with and to continue expanding, expanding your horizons, not only, okay, I'm using what, the educator told me to do a reduced tillage, but think how is really matters to the next step. How am I gonna get a better nutrient dense crop? 
how I'm gonna sell a better and nutrient-dense crop to my customers, how I can uh, be uh, having a better price, how I'm gonna feed my family with healthier food. How can I feed myself as a grower and sustain that? These are really the information that I hope I put together to give you that inspiration. We have come to the end of the show and I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in to Common Ground Radio. We heard a recording of the keynote address from the 2021 Farmer to Farmer Conference recorded on November 1st of 2021. The address was delivered by Dr. Gladys Sinati of the Rodale Institute entitled Linking Soil Health to Plant Health, Connecting the Dots. I'm CJ Walk, your host for today's show. Common Ground Radio is brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association in conjunction with WERU, which can be heard at 4 p.m. on the second Thursday of every month, right here and only here on your community radio station, WERU. 89.9 FM and WERU.org. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more great programming.